and then thought, well, I'll do it in two weeks. And then you think, oh, I can do it in three. Well, I can tell you now there's a four coming. So, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of, or the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, I keep forgetting Isaac, is the way God referred to himself when he addressed his people. And he did this so that we would remember who God is. And it's important that we do that. We all remember. We all remember. But there's certain things that we ought to let go that we shouldn't remember. But the thing that we should remember is God. And when he speaks of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he's wanting us to remember how good and loving God was to them. And if he was that way to them, then he's going to be that way to us. If he called them out, then he can call us out. And if he blessed them, he's going to bless us. And, um, and if he blesses us and we bless others, then humanity is blessed through us as well. I mean, God is just incredible how he is. He loves people and he wants to use us. He wants to use people. God addressed them so that they would remember his faithfulness and that they would remember when God did the impossible in their lives. And, you know, God set them up for the impossible. And he sets us up for the impossible as well. And he wanted them to remember that. We have to understand that God instituted different celebrations, different feasts that occurred throughout the year. And I believe that he did that as a reminder to the people that and they would have to come together and do this and have their offerings. And I believe it was to remind them of who God was. And I don't think that this was so much for the Lord as it was for them to get their eyes fixed back on the Lord. And we need to do the same. We need to have those times in our lives where we remember who God is and we remember his love and his faithfulness. You know, and, and pastoring almost 31 years now, and, um, you know, it's amazing to me that when you marry somebody, it's a reminder of God's love for us. That's what's so awesome about the marriage ceremony. And then even in funerals, when somebody has died and they know the Lord, you know, it's sad, yes, but it's also a reminder of God's love towards us. And And then I think of the... Uh, dedications that we've had here at this church. And, and you think, you know, that's a reminder of God's goodness towards us. You think of the baptisms we've had here. It's a reminder of God's goodness towards us. And God has strategically implemented these things in our lives as reminders of his goodness, of his love for us. And we have to remember the right things as well. God and his love and his faithfulness. And the truth is, is we're all going to experience difficult times in our lives. We're going to experience times of doubt. We're going to go through things. You know, we don't want to necessarily preach that as a whole for the body of Christ, but we're going to go through difficult times. You know, it fascinates me that as soon as Jesus was water baptized and the Holy Spirit came on him, then it says that the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted. You know, that's a difficult time. 
and, and so sometimes we think that where is God in this difficult time? But, you know, maybe he's right there. Maybe he set it up. Maybe he's setting you up for something special. To reveal his impossibility. Mm. But we've started something in our home. Uh, we started a blessing box. And it sits on our piano. And when things happen to us that are a blessing to us, we write it down and then we put it in there. And then when we find those times when it's difficult, you know what we do? We pull out that blessing box and we reread what we've written. And you know what it does? It makes you happy. It builds your faith. It, it gives you encouragement because you know that if he did this in the past, he's still going to do it. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe yours isn't a blessing box. Maybe you do it by journaling. You know, we pull it out every once in a while just when Caleb's around just to let him hear what God is doing in our lives. Now, he doesn't have a blessing box, but he journals and he knows when God has worked miracles in his life. And so I, I just want to encourage you. When we remember and remember him, we're remembering his good and loving and faithful character and nature that he is to us. We need to have those times. We need to have the blessing box or whatever it is, but we need to be able to remember because there's going to be some times when the answer to our prayer is delayed or the answer or the, the fulfillment of the promise or promises that God has spoken to us are going to be delayed. They're not going to happen right away. And it's during those times that we have to learn how to remember and remember rightly. I've learned that part of the testing of our faith. And we don't always like to have that testing, do we? But the part of the testing of our faith is when we have to be still and we wait. We wait. And it's in that moment, the testing of our faith, when we have to wait, God is looking to see what our response is going to be. How are we going to handle this time of waiting? Many of us don't do very well with it. And again, it's even during those times, those periods when you're waiting, you need to remember what God has done. Pull out that uh, blessing box and, and reread them again. Think about this for a moment. God comes to Abraham when he's 75 years old, calls him, and then promises him a son. Through him and Sarah, it takes 25 years for that to come to pass. Can I tell you something? That's a lot of waiting. 25 years is a lot of waiting. Isaac wasn't born until he was 100 years old. So Sarah was 90. That's a lot of waiting. And in our minds, we, just, we can struggle with waiting. Because we want to know, God, if, you, if this is your heart, if, if you're for me, then how come you're not answering me? Because he's doing something greater in us. He's developing our faith. And that brings us to Hebrews chapter 6. If you'll look with me 
at verse 15. Oh, this is so amazing. Hebrews 6.15, And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, I don't like this Scripture altogether. I like the outcome of it if we will put it into practice. But you know, at first glance, this is tough because it says that he patiently waited. You know, I can wait, but I don't know that I want to have to do it patiently. And it says, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Wow. Keep that up there for a moment. I'm going to go on, but we're going to come right back to this because we have to get this. When the answer is delayed, we have to learn to wait patiently or patiently wait. So we have to ask a question, why is waiting such a big part of spirituality, of building our faith? Because in the waiting is where faith actually becomes necessary. Let me say that again. Because in the waiting is where faith actually becomes necessary. Think about it for a moment. If God was the God of immediate gratification, uh, there would be no faith required. Right? If He answered everything right on time, right when we needed it, there would be no need for faith. There would be no need for the growth of our faith. But God is not a God of immediate gratification. (laughs) If you haven't figured that out, just keep breathing. He's got a timeline. And it's in the waiting, in the silence of waiting. It's in the waiting, in the silence where faith actually develops. I I think of it as being the dark room. You know, when you're developing the camera. Well, this is old days. If Some of y'all don't know what that means. Dark room. But they would put their film in there and they would develop it. It had to be dark. And and that's what God does with us in our waiting time. In the times when He's silent. Remember, God waited 25 years before Abraham received His promised son, Isaac. 25 years. Think about the three days that existed between the crucifixion In the resurrection, what does it teach us? It teaches us that the presence of silence never equals the absence of God. That's worth writing down. So I'll repeat it. That the presence of silence never, everybody say never. Never equals the absence of God. Because isn't that what we do mostly when things are quiet, when we have to wait and when we're trying to wait patiently, but we're struggling with that, this is the number one. God, where are you? But the presence of silence never equals the absence of God. What do we learn from the eight days of silence between 
Thomas screaming his doubts into the sky and God actually appearing to him. We learn, it teaches us that God is both the miraculous appearance and the eight days of silence. That's worth writing down. We learn it teaches us that God is both the miraculous appearance and the eight days of silence. The presence of silence never means the absence of God. So for us, the challenge of waiting and that patiently is actually to allow faith to do its work, trusting that on the other side of this period of silence, this period of waiting, we will have a richer, deeper, more fuller and alive faith than we did before. Hebrews 6.15, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. There is no one in the... You can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, please. There is no one in the Scripture besides Jesus that did everything right. For the rest of us, faith is a journey with plenty of curves in it. Plenty of hiccups. Plenty of difficulties. And we're growing. And as we grow, we will make mistakes, but we have to keep on going. Keep on believing, even in the times of silence. The times of waiting. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews eleven eight. This is known as the faith chapter. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Everybody said obeyed. When he was called, and we, we've read this before, when he was called, God called him out when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful. Isn't that awesome? She considered him faithful, who had promised. It's in that waiting time. In that waiting time, do you consider God faithful? Because He's promised. Therefore, verse 12, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead, speaking of Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Hmm. By faith they did all this. Abraham had his time of growing his faith and he did just that. God tested Abraham's faith as well as Isaac's faith. And we're going to get to that in just a second. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son of promise, Isaac. 
Think about this for a moment. Okay. We have to set the stage because sometimes we can read it and we don't understand or we don't put it in full context. So I want to think about this. After Sarah conceived Isaac, think about her and Abraham's conversations. If they were like us, this is one of the first things they would say. I can't believe it. I'm pregnant. That's what we say after God's done something miraculous in our lives, don't? Isn't when he answers something that we've been wanting or prayed for? We've been hoping for a promise to come to pass and it comes to pass and then the first thing out of our mouth is, I can't believe that. I mean, their conversation, can you believe it, Abraham? There's a living miracle inside of me. A living miracle inside of me. And then I, I, I can think of Abraham at 99 looking at her and say, honey, that's God. That is God. Because you know it wasn't possible just from us. He had to be with us. How awesome is that though? For 10 months to be able to, you know, she can pat her belly and say, this is God. This is a miracle inside of me. And if Abraham was like me and, you know, you put your ear on her belly, you're trying to listen and talk to him, you're patting it yourself and it's a miracle. Ten months like that. And then he's born. And you think, wow. Now you're holding that miracle. Now you get to change the diaper of that miracle. <laughs> At a hundred. I'm certain since he's Father Abraham that he changed diapers. I'm certain of it. No, I'm not. That's just. But can you imagine that? And then can you imagine they're sitting in their tent and he's out wandering, he's out playing, and they just look out and they say, that's our miracle. That's our miracle child. That's our gift from God. He's the son of promise. God is so good to us. He's been so faithful to us and to his promise. And if the test of conception was an amazing in and of itself, now God tests Abraham and Isaac even more. And As we look at this, remember, this is symbolic. This is a representation of Jesus coming and being our sacrifice as well. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And as we get ready to read this, sometimes I think as believers, we don't believe this for ourselves. We just look at it as this is what God did for them. We don't think of it as him doing it for us as well. In Genesis chapter 2, or 22, 
Genesis 22, verse 1, it said this. After these things, God tested Abraham. See, that's the part we don't get. That's the part we don't really like. We don't want God to test our faith. We don't want Him coming into our lives and ruining the, the faith that we have and, and the faith that we've been walking in and now all of a sudden He's got to test it. I didn't have time to go back and look, and I was trying to remember. He was either Isaac was either thirteen or seventeen when this was spoken, and and so I want you to understand that for thirteen to seventeen years they have been looking at this son. They have been talking about this son as a miracle, as as the son of promise, and and remembering God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's love towards them. And now all of a sudden, God says, Abraham. I'm going to test your faith. (laughs) And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. (laughs) Had to qualify because there was others or one other. But he says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, calls him by name, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And I don't have time to develop the whole thing. And and we've done this in the past. We did it last year. Remember, Isaac is the son of promise. He's the miracle child that they rejoiced in when she was pregnant and when she delivered him. He's the miracle son that they admired when he was growing up and they would be in amazement that God had been so good to them. They knew Isaac was a result of God doing the impossible in them and through them and for them. And now he's offering, he's testing Abraham and he's saying, Abraham, I want him back. I want you to offer him back to me as a burnt offering. But in verse 3 it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and he did everything and and they took off and, and I've shared with you in the past, I think he did that on purpose because he didn't want to start dealing with the doubts that he had. And he didn't want to certainly tell Sarah. I don't think he told Sarah. Can you imagine that conversation? But he's obedient to the Lord again and he goes and he's going with Isaac and he has all the stuff for the sacrifice except for he doesn't have the sacrifice. And then when they get up there, um, Abraham offers his son. But think about this now. He's the son of promise. He's the son of a miracle. And Isaac had to know that as well. I mean, like, it's not every day that a hundred-year-old man has a, a child, right? 
So he's got to know that he's a miracle as well. He's got to know the promise of God as well. And it's going to come through him. And yet the scripture says that when it came time for him to offer up Isaac, he bound him and laid him on the altar. So Isaac had to allow him to do this as well. Now think about this. What are they thinking about? I mean, Isaac could be looking at his dad and say, Dad, are you sure this is right? I'm the son of promise. You sure that this is God? You sure you're hearing his voice? And we've gone through that. So Isaac has to submit to Abraham's hearing his voice. And he lays him on the altar and then he raises the knife and he's getting ready to slay him, to kill him. And that's when God steps in and speaks and Abraham does it and God provides a, a ram as a sacrifice. Abraham passed the test. But so did Isaac pass the test. And if you read the scriptures, you find out that Jacob, Isaac's son, he passed some tests also. He, he encountered some faith tests and he passed them. No, none of them did it perfectly, but they continued to grow in their faith. And God blessed them. All of their lives were marked by promises from God, followed by times of silence, followed by times of waiting. All to test their faith, to develop and increase their faith. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to know that the same can be said of us as well. If we will embrace not only the promises of God, but also the silence of God, knowing that God is calling us into a deeper, richer, more fuller, and more alive faith in Him. So when we're tested, just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, just like they were tested, we're going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. God wants it to grow. He wants it to increase. He wants to do the impossible through us. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, everybody say tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. In other words, we have to, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand the mindset that Abraham had and knowing that Isaac is a miracle child and it's through him that the offspring are going to come, the heirs are going to come through him and yet God is asking for him from Abraham. And it says that he considered that God was able. So now he's speaking of Abraham. He considered that God was able. Where did he figure out that God was able in the waiting time? In those 25 years? 
He found out that God was able to do the impossible when him and Sarah conceived and then when he was born and then as they watched this promised child grow up, they considered God was able. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings upon Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Can I tell you something? We will all have our time of growing in our faith. When we will step out hearing God's calling of our lives. Calling for us and somewhere down the line, it looks as if we've missed it. As if we weren't quite hearing God. It's going to look like that for every one of us. We're going to feel called. We're going to answer that call. And then down the road, it's going to look like we made a mistake. Either we made a mistake or God made a mistake. We're all going to face those times. We're going to face those times when we think that, well, if I didn't miss it, maybe God just changed his mind recently. And we think that when God remains silent. But that's when we have to remember God even more. That's when we have to get the blessing box out. Reread God's faithfulness, His goodness, His love towards us. Do whatever you have to do, but in that time of waiting, in that time when God is silent, that's the time for us to develop our faith, to build our faith. There will be times when God has spoken His wonderful promise or promises to us and we've obeyed and then all of a sudden He is silent. It's during those times that we have to continue to do the things that we know that He's called us to. We need to continue to walk in the things and, and do the good things that He's called us to. Continue to have faith. Continue to believe. Continue to remind ourselves. Continue to remember how He is. When God is silent, we have to remember that doesn't mean the absence of His presence. We cannot gauge the spiritual by what we see in the natural. If you'll stand with me, please. I'm going to teach you a quick prayer. And you can either pray this prayer or you can pray a bolder prayer. This is how it goes. Lord, teach me to wait. 
if you're going to be bold and you really want your faith to increase, then pray this prayer. Lord, teach me to patiently wait. Because if you will patiently wait, I'm going to promise you, then you will obtain the promises. Just like Abraham did. Abraham continued to live. He continued to do the things. Let me bring this back to your remembrance as well, because we talked about this. Isaac had to understand the offerings. This wasn't a new thing to Isaac. He had to know what his dad did. They had to have those times together because Abraham taught him because Isaac knew what was going on because in part of that, he asked his dad, he said, Dad, I, I see you got everything but the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? So he knew what was going on. So in his time of waiting, Abraham learned, but he passed that on to his son. And so when God is silent, it doesn't mean he is absent. Quite the opposite of is true. And if when we encounter those, pray that prayer, Lord, teach me to patiently wait. And I, I'm, I'm discarding the first one because I know you guys are going to add in the patiently. You want it all. You want to obtain all the promises, not just a few. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And we thank you for your truth that is established in this place, in your word today. And Father, we are going to encounter times of waiting, times of silence. And Father, I pray that when we encounter them, our prayer would be, Lord, teach us to patiently wait. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed week.